Welcome back to Al's Yarns. I'm Al. I hope this podcast finds you well. I'm going to continue on reading a bit more of, uh, of Chapter 1 of South Five Bend um, from um, my last podcast. Once the kids were dropped off and sorted, I, head, I headed towards the main street and the last word bookshop before heading to Lucky Supermarket. As I entered the bookshop, it feels like home. The smell sweet, the smell of sweet vanilla, fragrance in the air. It reminded me of my nana's kitchen when I was little, watching her bake yummy cakes. I head towards the art and craft section today, looking for a book on basic mosaic pieces to make with Ava. Ah, found a second-hand book called Making Mosaics for Dummies, 1250, perfect. My mobile rings. My younger brother, Billy, by three years. My first thought was, what kind of trouble is Billy in now? Will he ask me for money? I answer anyway. Hey, Billy, how you been? Good. Alice, fancy a coffee? Need to talk to you, he replied. I let out a quiet sigh before answering. Sure, Billy. I'm in Perthville now. Where are you? I'm at Mum's and Dad's. Meet you in ten at the alleyway. I replied, OK, see you then. I made my way towards the counter and lucky no queue. The young man behind the counter looked about 18. His name's Badge Red Nigel. He had an acne, poor kid. Curly brown hair and looked a bit nervous at times. We made small chit-chat as I paid for the book. Said thank you on the way out. The alleyway cafe was only a few hundred yards from the bookshop opposite the park in the old rectory circa 1880. It was a sandstone building with stained glass windows and the old-fashioned archways as the main entrance. As I entered the cafe, straight in front of me was an open fireplace with a gold-framed picture of country outback scenes hanging above it. The seats around the last tables were church pews and the decor was totally done. I sat towards the back and waited for Billy. After five minutes, Billy turns up, presentries exchanged and coffees ordered. Billy was six foot tall with short blonde hair, blue eyes and took after our father in height. He was a player with the ladies and often got into trouble lately for the bad choices he recently made. Once the waitress leaves after bringing our coffee, I asked Billy, so brother, what's so urgent? Billy shuffles in his chair, looking uneasy, but begins, Alice, sis, I'm in a bit of a trouble with some people over money, you know. Mum and Dad live in a retirement village now at the lagoon and the money's tied up and I can't. I interrupted Billy before he could finish. Shit, you didn't ask Mum and Dad. No, said Billy, as continued. I would never ask them, but it had crossed my mind. That's why I'm here asking you, sis. I need $5,000 by midday tomorrow or... Billy trailed off. I looked down at my watch, 10.45am. I took a deep breath. Billy, what have you gotten yourself into now? Um, just a few bets over the last few months at the two-rack racetrack. That's all, sis, I swear, replied Billy. $5,000 is a lot of money that I don't have at such short notice. Just a few bets? Come on, Billy, really? Our money's mostly tied up in running on the sheep station. I need to run it by Nick, of course, but you know how he can get. I knew he and Billy didn't always see eye to eye. Alice, Billy said, I can pay it back eventually, but not as quickly as these people want it. They gave me a friendly chat last night, if you know what I mean. I sat quietly for a few minutes before replying to my brother. Trying to let what Billy had told me sink in. My head was spinning. 
Billy, give me to the morning and I'll see what I can do. I'll talk to Nick and see if we can help in some way, but I can't promise anything. A smile came to Billy's face for the first time since he arrived at the cafe. A sense of relief in his eyes. Ah, sis, you're the best. I now have some hope. Billy said as he got up and gave me a hug. We changed hugs and said our goodbyes. It was hard to concentrate during the grocery shopping that afternoon, thinking about Billy and how I would approach it in talking to Nick about the matter. By the time I was finished in Lucky Supermarket, I had lunch at Porter's Cafe next door, and it was time to pick up the kids from school. Chatting to the kids on the way home took my mind off Billy's briefly until I drove up to the house to see Nick on the road on mower. A quick wave as I unloaded the groceries and followed the kids up to the front stairs to go inside. Later that night after dinner and the kids were in bed, I approached Nick about Billy over a glass of Merlot. I stumbled trying to find the right words needed to tell my husband that my brother is in really deep shit and needs our help. See, my, my husband was, only in, was an only child and doesn't really understand the family bond between brother and sister. So as I bit my lip and began, Nick, honey, I bumped into Billy today at Purple and we had a coffee and a chat. Nick raised an eyebrow, looking up from his book about drenching sheep and lambs. Okay, what's Billy's story this time? Lost another job or some quick rich scheme? Judging by his tone, this wasn't going to be easy. I took a big sip of wine. Well, he's got himself into some trouble. That two-rack racetrack with the bookies, and needs a small loan by tomorrow midday, or I couldn't find the right words to finish off the sentence. I could see Nick's face change to looking worried or maybe concerned. I wasn't sure which. Was it for Billy or for me? By now, Nick had put his book down onto the coffee table. Alice, um, how much are we talking about here? There may be a way we could borrow against the station, I suppose, with a soft voice, I replied. $5,000. I couldn't read Nick's face as he was standing up now. His back turned to me. Alice, being an only child, I can't understand about having siblings, but I can tell you're upset and worried about your brother. So this is what we're going to do. Even though I'm not totally happy about the situation Billy has poured himself in, in the morning we can go to the bank and we draw against our loan. But then when you see Billy, tell him he's now working here at the Steve Station to pay off the loan. We can do it with an extra set of hands. I sat with my mouth wide open, speechless, unable to express my gratitude for my loving husband. So I just hopped up and walked over to him and gave him a big kiss. Something stirred me from my slumber that night. A little moan comes out as I looked at the clock. One eye opened, 1.44am, my husband beside me snoring like a freight train. Was it hubby who woke me, or noise outside? Since we had about 11 sheep stolen from our bottom paddock last month, which runs along a side road, I've now been more alert. Lucky the majority of the sheep were up in the top paddock. The thieves had cut through the fencing wire, bent quite a few posts, so they could back up their truck into the middle of the night and load our sheep. Mount David Police told us that they hit other properties in surrounding areas on the same night. Our sheep were tagged in the left ear with a year of birth and our property ID number, but the chances of finding them would be very slim. 
Nick, with a few other station hands, replaced the post and fencing wire down at the back bottom paddock. They also reinforced the other fences as a safety measure. We had the supplies delivered a few days later after the incident from Simak Ag Farm Supplies based at Mount David's, which locals called the Big Smoke, even though it was only a 12-minute drive from our place. After a few minutes of listening to the whole house in silent, except for hubby, too early to get up just yet, I need to be at my best focus on the day ahead to help Billy. I eventually started to doze off when I heard a strange noise coming from outside and then stopped. I glanced over at Nick. He was out like a light. You'll need a bomb to go off to wake him. So I grabbed my dressing gown to go and have a look. On the way out, I grabbed the torch, put on my Ugg boots, and ran up our two male Aussie Kelpies, Charlie and Duke. The night air is cold as I head towards the shearing shed, thinking that's where I thought the strange noise had come from. The shearing shed was closest to our bedroom windows, but still a few hundred yards away. The dogs ran ahead barking and sniffing. I followed in tow, the grass crunching underneath my Ugg boots as I approached the shearing shed. I paused about 20 metres away and seen and seen with the torch that the door was forced open. My heart started to beat faster. Suddenly my mouth dry and I decided if I should turn back and get Nick or go forward with the dogs. All of a sudden, a dog bark breaks the, my train of thought, so I moved closer to the shearing shed. The dogs are in there already as I entered through the door. So far, just the normal surroundings I can see with the torch. The two last tables, eight dividing stalls, four on each side, two side gates for the sheep runs and the storage cabinets against the back wall for the tools, brooms, etc. Nothing out of the ordinary, so I'll go to leave and notice something shiny in the light of the torch in the far stall. I was starting to get anxious as I walked over to find what it is. I can hear myself, come on Alice, it's probably just a metal ring from a sheep tag laying on the floor. All of a sudden I trip over something near the store. The torch flies out of my hand towards the back of the store and bangs on the wooden floor. I manage to crawl towards the torch and give it a few taps to get it working. I half turn around, shining the torch to see what tripped me over. My left hand goes automatically over my mouth to hold in the stream, while my right hand holding the torch starts shaking. That early morning in the shearing said, it's just a stillness in the air, me and the body of my brother Billy. And that brings us to the end of another podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Until next time, be kind to yourself. <laughs>